Welcome to today's episode of the podcast with me, Joanne Grobelar, and our special guest today, Dr. Zoe Hudson. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Dr. Zoe has worked as a GP for over 20 years and always had an interest in women's health. She is excited to be working with Dr. Louise Newson to take this a step further and promote knowledge and education around the menopause and HR treatment, HRT treatment. In her spare time, she enjoys spending time with her three children, long-suffering partner, because she's more than willing to admit that she is a normal human being and suffers with hormonal irrational rage at times. And she has a mini petting zoo and a love of nerdy knitting and making clothes from old duvet covers and curtains. And I am testament to seeing the incredible work that you've done because you can't see it today. I'm going to try and take a picture. Uh, she's wearing the most beautiful coat that you've made. <laughs> Thank you. A pair of charity shop curtains for that one. I know. But how amazing <laughs> is that? So the first question that I want to ask you, Dr. Zoe, is as a GP with lots of skill and experience and you've done amazing work in the community being a GP, what has driven you to make the switch to Newson Health Clinic at this point in your career? Well, I, I met first met Louise, I think it was last May, um, and I, I actually didn't really know much of her. Um, and then a couple of months before that, a crocheting friend pointed me in her direction and I'd been following her and then got in touch with a few sort of menopause questions and she said, why don't you come down to the clinic and sit in? And spent the day with her. We we got on from from the sort of the first half hour. Um, I think we both have similar sort of passion around all of this, and it's been a real eye opener for me this journey. Um, so originally, I wanted to open a menopause service within the NHS, and there were I took the idea to, there was a, there's a group of G, local GPs that were all getting together and I said, well, we could provide this service for a couple of days a month. And the instant response was, there isn't any funding. And then I thought, right, well, we'll, we'll take it to a, a different arena. We know that there are clinics in secondary care. I'll, and I started researching into that. And this was before I'd met Louise. And as it stands at the moment, um, to run an NHS clinic in the community, you have to get an advanced diploma from the British Menopause Society. Now, the problem with that is there are very few trainers. So I was quite lucky. I think I signed up in May to get sessions and managed to get on sessions in September. Because the lady that runs the sessions is so busy, quite a few of those got cancelled because she had to go off to um, police conferences and police, not police conferences, but to go and give evidence around other cases. So they were cancelled quite frequently. And so I just signed up to do the basic one. And that was eight, eight mornings sitting in the clinic. To do the advanced one and to run an NHS clinic, I would have to do 30 of those sessions. And that would, so not only is that all done in my own time, practically it would take me till probably 2022. 30 sessions. Yes. Insane. And that is the only route at the moment to be able to run a standalone menopause clinic for the NHS. So Louise is working on that because we just end up in this vicious cycle yeah. of there aren't any trainers to provide the sessions yeah. and there won't be because this is... is to take three years yeah. to train 
in something that, in something that I can do. Yeah, in something that you've already got a knowledge of, but not just as a doctor, as a woman. Yeah, yeah. Having seen many women in this situation, for me, my experience is there's nothing better than lear the learning experience that you've already had. Well, this is, I mean, and I, I, I know I can, I can do this. I've read nothing but hormones for the last three years, and and I'm not prepared to do sort of free clinics for all of that time to justify that because I don't think there is there is any other. So you have it's called a GP with a special interest, yeah. And we have those in dermatology, we have them in rheumatology, we have them in lots of different areas. None of the other programs have that commitment to them so unless that changes we end up in this real and I think the funding is the absolute key thing the funding underpins all of this menopause consultations as a GP they're complex consultations because it's not a 10-minute consultation they are complex there are lots of different things lifestyle wise that have to be covered and it's not funded mm -hmm. so the other GPs in the practice can start to think, well, why is so much time being taken up? Because really you should have a half hour consultation at the very least. And that's not funded, whereas diabetic care is, asthma care is, COPD care, it all is funded. And at the end of the day, it's not going to be made a priority unless people are paid to treat this. Yeah. Or prepared to do like you and Dr. Louise are, is stand up to be counted and say, this is completely inappropriate and this is completely wrong. And actually, for some of the, you know, the research that I've done around, you know, why you incredible doctors have got into this area of care is, it, the tonation is neglect. It is. There's a huge health gap. Yeah. And we're, you, we're actually looking at it on a disease prevention level. And it's absolutely heartbreaking because the majority of women could very safely be on HRT. And when you look at the cardiovascular disease it prevents and the osteoporosis and just the quality of life. Yeah. And it's not being done. There is such a big blind spot about all of this. And you do sometimes feel like you've just arrived on a different planet, that yeah. this has only just been discovered. Yeah. And why isn't everyone else as interested and, and excited about this? Yeah, as, as we you are. are. Yeah. yeah, it's it's you just look around and say, well, why why don't you look? There's a perfect opportunity yeah. for disease prevention um, to help these women, and none of you seem to be on the same page as me. Why do you think that we've got this blind spot around menopausal care for women? Why, how has this evolved to this point? I think the, there's there's a lot of there are so many dots that need to be joined up. So again, even I, I always assumed that menopause happened sort of in your fifties. You psychologically, because of all the, um, the press around it and the comedians and everything else, you link it to age. Yeah, and you don't associate it with yourself. Yeah, and we need to completely reframe that. The this is why. You will often see the reason I call it female hormone deficiency on social media. Yes. Because if you stop, you have to take a fresh pair of eyes with this. And we know that lots of younger women can have problems with this. There are other conditions. There's um, PMDD, PMS, endometriosis. All of the women's conditions are so far behind in diagnosis and management and recognition. So 
And this is why I will always encourage if one woman starts to feel better and starts to know about this and to manage this, then I ask them to go and speak to six of their friends. And this is at any age because I think younger women are not getting on board with this because they just think, well, it's it's years away. It won't happen to me for another 10, 15 years. And we, we actually, I mean, really everyone in the sort of late 30s, 40s should be preparing for this because of things with bone density, lifestyle changes to start to address this so it doesn't hit you like a ton of bricks because that's the experience for most of us. Yeah. And it's one thing I want that I was talking to a friend of mine and we were saying we don't ever remember our mums, our grandmothers, our great grandmothers ever talking about the menopause. No. I never mentioned it. But I can distinctly remember that kind of like a change in their demeanour. And like, you know, from being really fun, happy and outgoing. And I can distinctly remember them going, you know, them being much more melancholy. Yes. Well, I think that, I mean, I think when you actually start to dig down and talk to people, it's, so I've got a patient who um, was taken into care because his mum was so depressed and he now realises it was through the menopause um, that she was taken to a psychiatric unit and he and his siblings were taken into care. And I remember my grandmother suddenly arriving at the house and breakdown being whispered. And you think that was menopause. Yeah. And yet nobody put the dots together and we're still not putting the dots together. So the reason I want to ask, I don't want to be controversial here, but I'm going to be because we're we're good with that stuff. Do we think that the reason why we've not put the dots together is because primarily, you know, in, in going backwards... Doctrine was a very male-led. I think there's there's been yes, and I think um, even the label hysteria, so hysteria yeah. from derived from the womb, yeah. And there's this belittling, isn't there? That yeah. um, it's something, and I, I, I genuinely think that I mean it is that thing, and until you've been through it, you don't realise how awful it can be, and until mm. you start asking people. It really is, for a, a quite a big percentage of women, absolutely life-changing. Yeah. And again, I think the age thing is absolute key because if we're seeing all these people in their 40s, then they will get diagnosed with depression and fibromyalgia and palpitations and joint pains and arthralgia. And you can very often see when you look back through their notes that they've limped on for five years with a whole different concoction of never really getting any better never understanding why suddenly their health has deteriorated and they're experiencing all these things that they never had before. Yeah. So it's not, a, it's it's just, it hasn't been addressed. It's been belittled. And I think that has to be because it's women's health. Yeah. Um, what happens, what are the changes that you see that happens when people start onto the right therapeutic treatment of hormone replacement therapy? What is the transformations that you've witnessed? I think at the the very beginning, um, for a lot of women, even just knowing what is happening to them is a huge relief. Because they come in and it's not little things that they've thought. It's they've thought they've got dementia. They've thought they've got cancer. These are the big words yeah. that come through. They've been absolutely terrified. A lot of them are too scared to tell their families. They just isolate themselves and... So even just saying, no, this is hormonal. The, yeah. t- the tissues in my room go down at a rate of knots. It's, <laughs> Actually, I'm going to buy yeah. you some. I'm going to get some, <laughs> okay. some, some Dr. Zoe <laughs> yes. Health yes. branded tissues yes. for you. <laughs> and then 
as I say, once we get people on the, it can literally, people can feel a difference within a couple of weeks. And I always say to them, it is not the be all and end all. This is the stepping stone to getting you to feel well enough and function well enough to then start to address all the other things because it's really hard work to get yeah. it all in sync. Yeah. It's, it's, there's so many different factors to this. So there's things like um, alcohol. We know that women just don't tolerate alcohol through this time. And if I see someone who I've done estrogen levels and they're on a, a, a good, a, they are estrogenized, so the HRT should be working and the anxiety is still there, then I will revisit the alcohol. Yes. Yeah. It's an important one, isn't it? And there's things, I mean, there's, there's things like the exercise and the diet and sleep and all of these things come into play and they all need working at. Mm. So the HRT is the first step. There is no point whatsoever me giving someone who is feeling that rotten dietary advice. Exactly, because it's they're in the depths of darkness. Of awfulness, yes. Yeah, and yes. we need to find the thing that helps them take the first step out of that. Yeah. And it's that neurological connection with of building these new ways of being and living in this time in your life. Yeah, it's then, a huge MOT. <laughs> it's a huge MOT. And what I, one of the things that I say to clients as a certified health coach as part of my mm-hmm. toolkit is the things that we do now, we want you to be able to commit to doing them for the rest of your life mm. and if you're trying to do everything all in one go and yeah. you're in the pit of darkness from my experience and your experience as well they're soon going to feel like a failure yes and it's no point yeah. why are we doing this so I think your approach and dr louise's approach is said let's let's what start here and do the fix the bits that we can fix yeah. or start fixing and then we can look at the wider circle and it's very much it's a, it's a, it's this is why i like it it's very much a, a sort of a shared approach and we know yeah. that even i think i wrote about this a few months ago even with you're doing everything you can you change your diet you've cut your alcohol you're exercising the hormones can still do a wobble and there can still be yeah. rotten days and yeah. this is where you need your menopause buddies yes and this is where we need women talking yeah because again for younger women that may well so one in one in a hundred women under the age of 40 will be diagnosed with this one in a thousand under 30 wow and that's there's a that's um, a significant number yeah 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 Yeah. and there are really big health implications if we don't diagnose these women and i think there's so many out there they're having all these symptoms and so this is the Things like the climacteric green score will list some of the common symptoms. And so I had a lady the other day who's who's young. And you just give that piece of paper to people. And again, the tears come. Yeah. Um, I've got all of them. I'm feeling emotional just yeah. imagining that person. But just like knowing that. that. Yeah. So this is another big area that we need to somehow shift it into younger women talking about it. And I think it gradually is happening because in the workplace, if someone is is open and talking about it, then the younger women will be there. Mm. And this is where the um, the app that Louise is doing will be absolutely brilliant um, because you'll be charting things from a younger age yeah. and you'll know and you can talk to people. And this is one of the big, big things. And I th- one of the things that I was thinking about as I was driving here today is I was somebody who was diagnosed with PCOS at a very, very young age, which really kind of, I believe, shaped my hormonal health for the rest mm-hmm. of my life. And I was basically just pushed out the door and went, oh, you know, there's nothing we can do to fix that. And I remember having a reading and I was about, I can remember I was fresh out of university and I've seen an endocrinologist and they were like, you're not 
can't detect your your estrogen levels are very very low Mm. and that was a very very young age and I was literally like oh yeah there's nothing we can do Mm. Do is it have you seen you may not know the answer have you seen a correlation between maybe women who are diagnosed at a younger age with challenging hormonal issues Mm -hmm. and then what happens when they start to become perimenopausal or menopausal? Is there some correlation? Yeah, we do. Um, so you'll see women that have had, um, there are links between sort of postnatal depression and PMS and PMDD. Yes. Because you know that that person is, is it's not sensitive, is, is um, will experience more symptoms with hormonal shifts. Yeah. So yes, that's one of the things you, you ask about in the history. The PCOS, it's really interesting um, because... We have, as I say, it's estradiol is not checked routinely. Mm-hmm. And I think there is so much work that needs to be done on that. Um, again, with so we know that with PCOS, you're in a what's called an androgenized hyperinsulinemia state. Yeah. And I think, again, with the dietary side of things for the last 20, 30 years, it's been low fat, low fat, low fat, low fat, which is terrible yeah it was completely terrible yeah and it would have made things 10 times worse yeah I didn't have a single um, tutorial on nutrition throughout the whole of medical school throughout the whole of GP training there are so many gaps that need to be addressed and again PCOS really poorly understood um I think because it doesn't fit into nice medical boxes lots of women experience the same thing as you there's nothing we can do might have trouble getting pregnant yeah. um, off might, a trip. Yeah, might have trouble staying pregnant. Yeah. Off you go. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, just change your diet. Yeah. yeah. Whereas we all know, when when you've got that hormonal shift going on, you know, the, some days the last thing you can think about is changing your diet. You're just getting through the day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think this is amazing thing for the women of Manchester. We have, where's the other Newson Health Clinic? That's down in Stratford. Yeah, I know. I've already sent some <laughs> clients that way who've been like, wow. And then like two weeks later, I feel amazing already. Um, and we've had lots of great conversations yes. about my own hormonal <laughs> yes. health over the Instagram. I want us to think, so this we're going to have this amazing service in Manchester. What, what can we expect? What can the women of Manchester expect when they come and see you? So I think at the very beginning, it's just going to be me whilst we're waiting for the um, bigger clinic to be built. But it's very much on the same model. And so I have, so I I think you've come across Becky Quick, who's a menopause psychologist. Um, I dog walk with a couple of nutritional therapists and things like yoga, because they are actually all fairly essential to this. And we know that they all work together. So we're working with Bruntwood as well, and the idea will be to go into workplaces. Bruntwood properties. as property developers, yes. just for people who don't yeah. know. Bruntwood properties, they own a massive range of properties and are landlords to a lot of corporate organisations yeah. in the Manchester area. So the idea, so having a meeting with them soon, so the idea is to start to take this into workplaces and get the education side of things out. Um I met with a, another lovely lady um, who's hopefully going to, to come and work with us, Dr. Butt. Um, and she has already, what we're trying to do is, because um, we know that the sort of BAME communities, it's even harder sometimes to talk about these issues. So we're setting up hopefully a radio programme at the Muslim Heritage Centre um, because she's fluent in Urdu. So we can start to get into communities as well where it, it might not be um, so culturally as easy to, I mean, we know with everyone that we need a lot more talking. And 
There's the, again, there are so many women. I trained in Birmingham and looking back now, I saw so many women that would come in with fatigue and joint pains and, and, and describe it as all body pain. And they were, they were dismissed. And you think, it was perimenopause. Yeah. And that could have been treated. Yeah. So easily. So easily. Yeah. I think one of the things here is it's allowing us to know that from a very young age, this is a conversation. It was such a shameful thing. You know, when I think mm. back, it was like you never mentioned the word menopause. Mm. And it has such a history around it. You know, it was like, you know, you, you know, for me, I was thinking about this and I had a great conversation with a friend last night as I was pre- preparing okay. about what yes. we were going to talk yes. about. And we were saying, you know, it was almost as a woman, it was a shameful thing to be in menopause. I think, and, and yes, and it was that thing of, well, then you're just on the scrap heap. Yeah. That's it. And it's it's, it's just, it's, it's. I mean, I don't know if you saw that that um, clip in Fleabag. I've I, heard I'm about it. I'm not a Fleabag watcher. Okay. I'm so sorry. So Kirsten, I can't remember her name now, did this, just this absolute brilliant little monologue about the freedom that comes with this. Yeah. So it is, I think, the transition, and Becky and I have talked a lot about this, and um, I, I mentioned on Instagram, Maleficent is is my new favourite film because whoever wrote that was perimenopausal. <laughs> and Becky and I had actually talked the week before I went to see the film. Um, so I went to see the film with my daughters and, and walked in and thought, why are all these women in here? We've got the wrong cinema. And then realised as I was watching the film, they knew. And we talk about there's this big wrestle and it's really, really hard work. And then there's this sort of the flames and then the phoenix. And it absolutely correlates with this. It's It can be awful and unsettling and really it is the wrestling thing. And then there is this, this strength that comes out of the other side yeah. with all of this. And so even, oh, she, she has the best, as I say, if you watch it, she has I the have, best perimenopausal rages. <laughs> yeah, I've fabulous. seen it. Um, I'm not a big TV <laughs> film watch, but I have no, seen that. I, I actually might buy the DVD just yeah. for this because it's, it's fabulous. I, so for me, it's about us recognising that, you know, Newston Health Clinic is predominantly private, but there are lots of things that you and Dr. Zoe, Zoe uh, you and Dr. Louise are doing out in the community to help a broader range of women. Um Talk a little bit about the Newson Health Clinic resources that you can literally print off and take in your, to your GP to support you when you go in and have a conversation about your current health and your HRT requirements. Well, I think, I mean, I, so my first consultation, I will chat to women because lots of them have not even fathomed that this could be to do with hormones and it can be quite a shock to them. So I will, that's the first website I will direct them to. Yeah. Um, I think the podcasts that she does are absolutely brilliant because Amazing. they cover so many yeah. different topics. Um, there's there's a there's actually a prescribing guide on there which is really helpful. So if women just type easy into the search box, it will bring up an accredited um, prescribing guide. Because this is again, we haven't been taught how to prescribe, and with the HRT shortages, it can be an absolute nightmare. The 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 BNF, which is our go to prescribing book yeah I struggle to find HRT regimes in there it's really really confusing and so as I say to have this guide the climacteric green score that I've mentioned is really useful and that's a questionnaire isn't it's it? just a symptom chart yeah. and then there's another um, woman Diane Danzebrink who is incredible and her website so menopausesupport.com has another symptom guide and her she has lots of ways to approach your GP so I think 
it is it's it's really hard as a gp you've never been taught this so it's like someone coming in saying could you just drive this combine harvester yeah and you're saying well i i don't know how to well you drive a car so why aren't you doing it yeah and so you you You've been taught, I mean, we were talking yesterday, I've been taught about atrial fibrillation and diabetes over and over and over again. Menopause, tumbleweed. So you're starting off from that. Nutrition, tumbleweed. Exercise, tumbleweed. Tumbleweed. So you start off from that and then you're going to your go-to book and you're just thinking, this doesn't make any sense to me. There's there's no sort of flow chart. I don't know why I'm giving this woman this hormone. We know that estrogen in the pill shouldn't be given to anyone with a risk of clot. So does that mean that HRT with estrogen can't be given to a woman? And it's awful. And I think, understandably, lots of GPs get sort of quite defensive about that because they think, I don't want to give this woman something that is going to potentially cause her harm. How do we get the message? Because this is the interesting bit that I love about what you and Louise talk about on your on your socials is is really helping women see that we all thought mm. hands up I was like I am never going to be taking HRT because I was always put the fear of God in me from my very early experiences of figuring out what was going on with my hormones and oh you know you should mm-hmm. just leave well alone because there's so many dangers with you not doing that reality was there was way more danger in me not doing yeah. something but nobody had drawn those parallels how how do we now change this message and really get out there that there are so many ways that we can tackle this and HRT is not this scary, terrifying, disease-causing medication that I think, even like when I've been having conversation going, oh, you know, try this, go yeah. there, read yeah. read the menopause manual that Dr. Louise bought. Yeah. I bought that for, for a neighbour. Yes. I yes. was like, read this. And she was like, oh my God, I, I thought it was like the most dangerous thing that I could possibly do. Yeah, yeah. That's and I think it's talking about more about there are so many options. I think you have to, and this is where I mean the the press have been. Oh, well, I'm yeah. trying not to swear on your podcast. I won't swear on your podcast, <laughs> but this is there's been there I have been so many issues. I, I was yes. doing my mantra before I got here: do not swear today, yes. Joanne. Do yes. not swear today. And again, I think that, that it feels as though this is something. It 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 does feel very political and you have to do a um so you look at a benefits risk Mm -hmm. and i think if you as a gp if you don't understand hrt because i remember when i first started so many people were on hrt i I worked in didsbury and they all look fabulous and they're all really healthy and then (laughs) the whi study came out and then nobody was on HRT. So just to, for the listeners, WHI study, what is that? So the WHI study was a massive study and it wasn't actually, it was to to see, the main aim of the study was to see if the, because um, they, they knew that there was a cardiovascular protection with HRT. Yeah. And a lot of it was looking at whether that cardiovascular protection would extend to older women. So what we know is that your blood vessels have lots of estrogen receptors and there's something called a window of opportunity. So 10 years from when your menopause symptoms first start, if you keep the estrogen going, then the estrogen receptors are sort of fueled and they will stay there. And they actually, so they prevent something called cytokines, which is an inflammatory marker, and they keep the vessels nice and springy, nice and elastic. And if you 
haven't used estrogen in that 10 years, this window of opportunity, then naturally the vessels have got a little bit more rigid because they've lost a lot of the estrogen receptors and they've also built up a, a bit of cholesterol. So unsurprisingly, this cohort of older women um, with what's called atherosclerotic vessels, there was already cholesterol there. A lot of them were overweight and they smoked and they gave them really old-fashioned HRT, synthetic HRT via tablet form. Mm. And unsurprisingly, lots of them had cardiac events. Mm. And it's, it's not rocket science when you know how the estrogen behaves. Yeah. And then they did something as well. There's a, an absolutely incredible book called Estrogen Matters that really digs down yes, into this. that's a great book. Um, and it's, it's, again, I wish I'd read it 20 years ago. Mm. And so the statistics, so what you're doing is lumping, so that what the, the recent data that, that came out last August, they're lumping all of the studies together. Now, the problem with that, you're lumping the studies with the older synthetic harsh progestogens in together with the newer ones. Mm -hmm. And it's a bit like, I mean, the sort of 20, 30 years ago, um, there were antidepressants called monoamine oxidase inhibitors. And they are, we don't use them now because we know the, the problems with them. So mm -hmm. it's a bit like putting all of the studies for depression, lumping those with the newer medications and going, right, well, here's the data. Yeah. And it's just... It, you can't. Yeah. It's even me as a non-academic person can see that, that there's a fault line in all of that. Yes. Yeah. And we're not giving women the real information of actually here we are on this whole spectrum. And what we have to look at is, is, again, and this doesn't even touch on, so if you have osteoporosis and you break your hip, 60% of those people will not return to independent living. Yeah. Um, the main, so the, the main causes of death for women in this country are cardiovascular disease, stroke and dementia, which are all vascular. You have to start putting it into perspective. So, again, we need so much more research in this area, but what you'll find is with things like cardiology, the big pharmaceutical companies will fund massive research projects. HRT is cheap, mm -hmm. so there isn't the funding there yeah. to do these sort of randomized controlled trials, which is what would be. So there is, um, there is, there is so much work going on at the moment, and I... I've joked with Louise, I'm not quite sure if she actually ever sleeps um, <laughs> because there will be a research, an idea for a research project will ping into my inbox at sort of 11.30 and then at 6.30 the next morning there'll be another idea. And again, there is a lot of work being done to start to correct this because it's lagging so far behind other areas. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about, because you just talked about like a harsher version of HRT. Mm -hmm. And then we have kind of this like bioidentical. No, 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 no. Body identical. Body identical. Body identical. Body identical. Body identical. Body identical. Yes. Yeah. Body identical. So just for the listeners, because I know that these words are banded about and, and it's really important. What what are the two different camps? What you're looking at, and I think even if you look at the... So there are some women, so you're looking at, for a starting point, tablet HRT and through the skin HRT. Yeah. Um, I don't, so if women, some women just don't get on very, body identical is is as close to your own hormones as it possibly can be. Yeah. So the older hormones were actually a different type of estrogen and to the, the newer hormones. Having said that, there are some women that 
they just don't get on very well with the newer ones. And even with the older ones, the risks of the link with breast cancer is still tiny, tiny when you look at the data. So I do get women that sort of say, oh, I I don't get on with any of the other ones. um, And I keep getting these messages that I shouldn't be taking these tablet forms. If they suit you and they get you up and they get you moving and functioning, fine. It's not. So the the body identical, which is the one that we would generally try and start people on, um, will be things like the gels and the patches and micronized progesterone, which is called eutrogestin. Yeah. Um, and as I say, there's, I, I like, I, I think the idea of splitting the three hormones makes so much sense because then you've got room to adjust, haven't you? You're yeah. not doing combinations of things. So really it's just an easier way of approaching it. Yeah. Um, you've got your progesterone, you've got your estrogen and you've got your testosterone, my favorite yeah. hormone. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about testosterone. testosterone. Oh, Can we talk about it? Yes. Is that okay? Yes. Because obviously I, um, not obviously, um, but obviously when we think of women having testosterone and you, you made me howl with laughter about some of our Instagram messages, you know, uh, you know, people think they're going to grow beards mm. or what, how, what benefits can women get if they need to by adding, adding some testosterone into their, their, hormone regime so again not everyone needs testosterone um so what i tend to find is what what we will do is get women up and running on the estrogen side of things progesterone if they've got a womb and if women still have it's it's the cognition is the main thing that we get lots of women so a friend of mine has to give big presentations and she had to do one she couldn't remember her own name yeah this is yeah, it's not great. Yeah. Um, I couldn't, I, again, was a bit slow to pick up my testosterone deficiency. And I was sitting in work and I couldn't remember diagnoses. And it was awful. And I was thinking, I can't just mime for a whole day and yeah. try and ring you later when I've remembered what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah. This is, the random crying was awful as well. Yeah. That was another wonderful symptom when you're trying to talk about someone's blood pressure medication. Um, So the testosterone, it's a sort of a strength hormone. And it's finally, finally, because at the beginning, it was just licensed for, it was really aimed at low libido. And that, again, really irritated me. It's sort of, right, okay, well, we'll only give women testosterone if they're not functioning sexually. Yeah. And I said, well, how about the fact that they can't actually, they can't stand up, they can't hold a conversation, they can't work, they can't um, function. And Nick Panay from the British Menopause Society, they've released a video that women can watch. And there is now a testosterone toolkit for prescribing. And that mentions the all the other symptoms as well that it helps with. So libido is obviously a really important thing. But if you, as I've got the, 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 the Instagram picture, the potato of testosterone deficiency. If you can't move and you can't think and you have no energy you're generally not going to have much of a libido. Yeah. So it all runs together. Unfortunately, yet again, never taught. Didn't even realise that women's testosterone was so important. I started looking into it a couple of years ago and I wait, it was two years before I dared to prescribe it because there wasn't any, there was no coaching. There was no sort of, oh, you'll be fine. This is how you do it. Yeah. There were instructions, but nobody had actually taught me how to do it. Mm. And I assumed that everyone would come back with enormous beards and yeah. I'd, I'd be sued. And that was the whole and that was other... it. Yeah. 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 And then I started, I thought, well, this is this is ridiculous. I need to, there's some women that are quite clearly deficient. And um, so we've started it. And it's, it's made huge differences that women can get back to work. It's the back to work hormone yeah. in my book. It's the one where, so 
I had to have time off work and it was the most, it's the most frightening thing I've ever been through. Um, I couldn't, dizziness was mine and I couldn't get out of the bed without feeling dizzy. Had no energy um, and we've taken up kickboxing slightly randomly and I thought, well, I'll, I'll try and carry on going and they had to lift me off the floor <laughs> during the sit-ups. It was the most awful hour of, of ever. Mm. However, um, the whole testosterone in general practice is still a way off. So I've spoken to even for, for it's a different principle in every single area. And I spoke to G Triple M G, which is our formulary, um, a couple of weeks ago. And because it wasn't even listed there. So I thought, well, am I going to get in trouble for prescribing this? It's not even on the formulary for me to know whether I should or I shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, well, I'm I'm quite comfortable prescribing this. It makes people better. Um, I'm going to go ahead. So um what is happening now is that is going to the second round of discussions at some point in the next few weeks. Now, the problem is, is, is again, it's I know it's very safe, it's very easy to monitor, but all of the GPs are in the same position I was. They've never been taught about it. It's a brand new thing. And at the end of the day, if you again, if you don't feel comfortable prescribing something, you're not going to. So again, we need to get right back to the beginning. We need the medical students, the all of the doctors, not just the GPs, knowing about these things and to gradually get it onto the radar. So we need women to be aware of it, to be questioning it with their GP, to raise it. And then hopefully the GPs can go onto the British Menopause Society website, they can go onto Louise's website, they can just start to read around it. And if they just try it with one or two women and see the results. But we need the formulary to be on board so they're covered by that. Yeah. So yet again. It's this complex. Yes. Yeah, it is. And I think this is where, for me, you as a leader, Dr. Zoe, okay. we, we had a discussion about <laughs> her owning the role of leadership. Right. For me, I see you very much as a leader. I see Dr. Louise is very much as a leader, you know, and thank heavens we have women, doctors like you, who are really setting the pace in changing women's health. Because there needs to be a massive overhaul. You know, I predominantly work with women. I do work with men. But, you know, I can, you know, that's why I'm like, you mm. need to go down to Newson Clinic because yeah. there is yeah. some stuff going on here that, you know, I'm not a clinician, but yeah. I've worked with people long enough to go, actually, I can look through our, our notes and see something changed here. And then there was a decline. Yes. Yeah. In function, and yeah, this is the in, thing. And I'm not a clinician, but that I think as well, and I don't know how you feel about this, whilst I'm not a clinician, I am somebody who listens and hears and is very detailed, I'm able to say, do you know what, I think this may be worth a conversation. Mm-hmm. And if we can do it, let's just go and explore it. And I think it was really interesting that you mentioned, you know, people who have had PMD and, you know, yeah. all these other histories that it, it can potentially play out further down the path. Yeah, And we, we can raise awareness of that as well because I've, you know, worked with women who had awful PMD. Yeah. And then they're like, I got well and why am I feeling terrible again, yeah. Joanne? Yeah. And it's like, for me, it's like, go and see the girls. Yes, <laughs> go and yeah. see the hormone girls. They're going to figure this out. Yeah, no, and it's the thing as well. I think, um, I mean, I had awful postnatal depression and then you just think, well, that was a big hormone sea change, wasn't it? Um and that's a whole other area where antidepressants are farmed out and you yeah. just think, mm, 
is that the best treatment? But that's, um, we'll, yes. We'll yeah. do that next, we'll do that next, time, next, time, next, next time. season. Yes. Yeah, because yeah. I think that's a whole other great conversation that's very important to have. Yeah. So, Dr. Zoe, what's on the horizon for you in oh. the coming months? <laughs> um, so, as I say, I'm well, I'm doing a GP education talk at Withenshaw in April. So hopefully there'll be a few more GPs on board with this. I think at last count, 130 are coming. Amazing. <laughs> um, so I'll be opening the clinic on the 3rd of April. And that's the one we're just starting off in Trafford House. And then eventually that will move down to a more sort of custom built clinic down in Nutsford and they'll obviously be more doctors and then peripheral services will be there as well so I've been chatting a lot my neighbor um sam does menopause yoga um so it's, it's great there are lots of people and then there's a, a lady called katie sirrett who is a pelvic floor physiotherapist and she's just set up an exercise class near me for menopause so i think this is the thing it just does feel it's it's growing yeah. um things are changing course. um so I think the as I say the the big thing is we'll get the clinic up and running, and then we're meeting with Brentwood shortly as well to look at how we start to take this into the community. And as I said, with Hajira, um, hopefully we can do some radio shows on the Muslim Heritage Centre. So I, th- it's it's there's just a lot. Um, it's a it's lot. Like, it's that. exciting. <laughs> and and I for me today, I was saying today that I'm speaking to a lot of guests today who. This is an emotionally charged conversation. Mm. So I want to thank you okay. for championing the cause for the women of Manchester because we need it. You know, yes. you and I have talked about conversations with GPs. Yes. And, yes. you know, and it's not it's not about bl- not about apportioning blame, but it's about the fact that you and Louise and the other doctors that you work with are standing up and saying, we can do this better. Yeah. And I think just quickly going back to GPs, I think it is really helpful because it can feel, as I say, everywhere you turn, you can't find the resources that you're looking yeah. for. So I think for women to go in and and to say, I understand that you probably weren't given any training in this area. Um, I found these really useful websites. I would really like to give this a go. Um, can I make another appointment? And then if they don't know, they've got time to go and do a bit of reading and look into it for themselves. Um, because I think the, I mean, Louise's website is accredited by the RCGP and another um, sort of brilliant development. There's a platform called 14 Fish, which all of the trainees get linked into as a training platform. Mm-hmm. And she's starting to do educational modules on there. So again, 14, was fish. 14 fish. So it's starting to change. And I think that's the thing. You just have to chip away at it from yeah. all directions. It, this, we've but spent a lifetime of not of menopause not being a conversation Mm. so you you amazing women are really doing something insanely incredible thank you so thank you and can i because jane lewis will not forgive me if i don't talk about vaginas you can talk about vaginas okay (laughs) we can wrap up on vaginas (laughs) so i don't know if you've come across it this was another um absolute practice changing book for me me and my menopausal vagina yes Yes. Okay. And it's going around. Um, so all our practice nurses have been reading it. The, the copies that I've had have all just disappeared and they're, they're doing the rounds. And again, it was something that is never spoken about. Yeah. Um, so we know that 80% of women will have problems with vaginal atrophy and easiest telephone consultation in the world, urine infection, course of antibiotics, send the urine off. Nobody clocks that it didn't grow anything time and time and time again. And 
we've just seen some, I mean, as I say, some awful, awful vaginal atrophy that because women haven't come in. And as Jane mentions in her book, it's the fact that women sometimes can't sit down without the skin splitting. They lose the, so women that have been able to cycle, to horse ride, lose the ability with that. She's been told, and even on her social media, there's been some awful, awful comments where physicians have said, use it or lose it, just get drunk. And Oh, my goodness me. And it's a very treatable condition. Yeah. And again, we need to start looking for it in much younger women. So I had someone in early 40s the other day, um, self-treated with thrush a couple of times mm -hmm. and thought, well, just have a little look, vaginal atrophy. Yeah. So all of the canistin that she's been using is is not going to work. It just needs some estrogen there. Yeah. Um, so and again, the um, vaginal estrogen is has no link whatsoever with breast cancer. Mm -hmm. The leaflet in the box is wrong um, because it is the same as the normal HRT leaflet. And again, yes. you would not believe the red tape to try and get that changed. Well, you and I had an. I was talking. I messaged you and saying. I've just read some instructions in a HRT book and I am flipping terrified mm. and the best response come back for you is reality is Joanne that a bottle of wine could do far more damage yes. for you than what the what what medication can do yet they don't put that on a bottle of wine mm. and that's the reality isn't it of what we're facing is that we're getting kind of like this 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 skewed information yeah. That yeah. is making women terrified. So they're not speaking up about vaginal issues. They're not speaking up about the fact that they feel like they're literally losing their mind. Yeah. Because it's just keeping a lot of women quiet. Yeah. And you're, you and Dr. Louise are doing so much to change that. <laughs> Thank you. Where can we find you? We're going to put, we're going to link everything up to you on the website. So we're under the, um, it's the Newson Health and Wellbeing website. Um, and that, so that's linked to on um, Louise's and my social media. And at the moment, appointments are being booked through the Stratford Clinic. Um, I think there's a few hiccups with the online booking. So we're tending to say if you just ring down to the clinic, it's, it's probably easier to make sure that you end up in Trafford and not Stratford. Yes. It's a bit of a difference between them. There's a bit <laughs> of a journey. Yes. Dr. Zoe, thank you, thank you so much for okay, coming it's down been today. It's to come down incredible in conversation and um i'm just so pleased and so excited that we've got doctors like you championing women's health especially in manchester well, we need some don't we, we do <laughs> yes. thank you okay that's probably the thank you